Welcome to the inaugural Bantam Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. So happy to have you on board. And we have a great guest for our inaugural podcast. We're going to talk to Trinity football head coach Jeff Devaney here, who joins us on the podcast. Uh, a very lively conversation with him. Uh, we talked about his career growing up, uh, the early stops he made on his career, and why he's so happy to be the head coach now of Trinity College football now in his 12th season. Plus, we previewed this year's team and going forward. So it should be a very exciting podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We'll go right into the podcast right now. Here's head coach Jeff Devaney, Trinity College Football. Thanks so much for joining us here, Coach. And uh, it's uh, really excited to, as we gear up, I can't believe football is right around the corner. Happy to do it, Mike. So, Coach, now in his 12th season as the head coach of the Trinity College Bantams, uh, career record 75-13, and 13, that's 8.52 winning percentage. Coach, just take a macro look at your time period of 12 years here. A lot of success with the Bantams. Yeah, you know, we're really proud of uh, of what we've done here. And, and and I give a lot of credit to Chuck Priori, who was the head coach before me and I worked under. And, and uh, I learned a lot from him and kind of kept the program uh, modeled it after what he had done uh, here. Uh, and I've been really fortunate uh, to have a great staff. And Lou Acarulo and Mark Melnitsky and Denver Williams um, you know, I've been here for a very long time. Lou and Mel, the two coordinators, have actually been here all 12 years. So um, it, it's been great to work with those guys. And you get 8-0 last year, conference championship, NESCAC conference champions. Um, you won it five times since 2003. Last year, I like this stat, you won six games by 24 points or more. That's, that's, that's domination right there. But- yeah, last year we were a very good football team, and we had a combination of tremendous skill players, and really good camaraderie uh, you know it was just it was actually the best team as far as uh you know just team feeling uh that i've coached and a lot of that had to do with uh, a senior class with a lot of personality well that's great before we get to this that year's team next year let's go back with you uh you grew up in niantic connecticut was football over always your number one sport well actually my my father uh uh, was a teacher and a coach at East Lyme High School. Gotcha. And he didn't let me play football until I was in uh, high school. So I was a soccer player all through uh, all through middle school. I, I didn't get to play football until my freshman year. Wow. And then uh, what, did the light just go off your freshman year? Did you, did you love it when you first started playing? Ironically, no. I actually had a pretty miserable experience my <laughs> freshman year uh, playing for the first time and having you know most of the guys my age had already played. Uh, it, it was a tough tough freshman year I almost stopped playing uh, and I'm, I'm really glad that I didn't yeah wow that's great just talk about growing up in Niantic what was that like did you before even high school did you always enjoy sports though overall yeah I was always I mean I, I was a year-round uh, athlete but I played a sport every season um, baseball in, in, in my era in that town was really a strong sport we won state championship my junior and senior year in high school um, it was it's just a great town to grow up in. Though you're on the water, uh, we did a lot of boating, a lot of fishing. Uh, have some great friends from that time, and uh, my parents were both teachers, so we had that 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 lifestyle you have when your parents are teachers and they have the summers off, and you can do some family vacations. So it was a good upbringing. 
And then you are, if people don't know, you're a 1993 graduate of Trinity College. So just talk about that recruiting time and what made you want to go to Trinity in the late 80s. Yeah, it was, uh, I, I visited, my parents, again, being teachers, weren't going to let me choose a, uh, a, a not a, a good academic school. So, you know, I was looking at Dartmouth and Lafayette and Villanova and those types of places. But I just fell in love with Trinity when I visited. Uh, when I did my overnight, I really liked the people. And it was also the ability to, to play two sports because I played football and baseball in college and at some of the other schools, I wasn't going to be given that opportunity. So did you enjoy playing both sports in, at Trinity, baseball and uh, football? I did. I actually didn't play baseball my freshman year because I thought I was just going to focus on one sport, and then I really missed being outside the competition that spring. So I ended up playing baseball the next three years. I, I, I liked being in season all the time. And then you were you were the defensive player of the year in 1992 at Trinity. Just talk about playing football at Trinity College, your college experience, uh, uh, that whole thing with uh, you know, the early 80s, early 90s. Yeah, I think I, I actually I, I talk about this a lot. I learned so much about hard work and dedication and being part of a team as a college football player. I think I probably learned more about myself and learned more that helped me in my career actually playing sports in college than I did attending class. <laughs> there you go, yeah. <laughs> and uh, did you have a lot of good? You still, I'm sure you still have a lot of good friends and memories, even off campus playing. You know, uh, off the field, I should say, uh, at Trinity. Oh yeah, I've, and, and I've got some great friends from those days, and and some guys that you know you lose touch with some of your college uh, buddies, uh, as people know, as you move on in life. But it's actually one of the the joys of. of having my job and being at Trinity is it allowed me to reconnect with some people that I might not have done so if I was coaching somewhere else. And then, so you come upon graduation, like any other kid graduation, you know, try to find a job career. What made you want to get into coaching and uh, head off to SUNY Albany in the, in the mid nineties? Well, I realized that I wanted to, to teach and coach. I loved uh, the education piece of it. I actually thought I'd end up being a high school teacher and coach at some point. Uh, so my first job was at the Coast Guard Academy uh, for a year, and I was just, as I tell people all the time, whether you're coaching or getting in some other profession, it's a lot of times it's just luck of of being in the right situation and meeting the right people. That that first year at the Coast Guard Academy, I was coaching the receivers, and a guy named Doug Marone was coaching the offensive line. Wow, yeah. And having the ability to become friends with Doug and work with him and, and – really changed my career path because that's eventually how I landed. Two of my jobs were, were, you know, with Doug helping me out. So what jobs were that? Albany was awesome because I got to work with Bob Ford, who's a legend in college football. uh, And I got my master's degree. uh, So that was just a great experience. And then while I was at Albany, Doug Marone called me. He was on the staff down at Georgia tech and they had a defensive graduate assistant position available and, you know, I kind of said to Doug, like, how the heck am I going to get that job? And he said, oh, I'll, I'll tell George O'Leary I should hire you. And I didn't even interview or anything. I just, George O'Leary called me and offered me the job, and I got in my car and drove to Atlanta. Wow. So I'm interested. What, what's the difference between, you know, Coast Guard, SUNY Albany, and then all of a sudden you're, you're thrust into the ACC? What's the main difference in coaching at those levels? Oh, it's just night and day. All, all you're doing is coaching. You've got so many support staff doing all the other 
pieces of the work that literally all you're doing as a football coach is spending 18 hours a day doing football, watching film, meeting with your players. It's just football all the time. You've got support people handling a lot of the behind the scenes recruiting and you know, doing all the, the logistics and travel stuff and, you know, coaching at Trinity you have to do, or Albany or Coast Guard, you're doing all of that stuff. You don't have nine secretaries and, you know, eight high school relations guys, and you, you just got to do it all. No question about it. So what made you then after Trinity, did you go to Central, CCSU after that? I mean, excuse yeah, me, after so Georgia Tech? I was at Georgia Tech, and I met, actually met my wife when I was in Atlanta. And if Georgia Tech was a great experience. I learned so much, but I also learned I did not really want to be a Division One football coach. The uh, the lifestyle those guys lead, it, it, you don't have much of a family life. And I really wanted to have more of a family life as I got older. Um, so I got the opportunity to become the defensive coordinator at Central Connecticut, uh, moving back up to New England where I loved, loved to live, and uh, did that for three years. And that was a great experience as well. And then when when Coach Miller retired here at Trinity and Chuck Priori got hired, I reached out to Chuck and said, if you ever have an opening, I'd love to come back to my alma mater. It's right down the street. And fortunately, a year later, he did have an opening, and I was able to come back here. Wow, that's amazing. That, you know, that's interesting, too. You know, you always hear about these stories, the Nick Sabans of the world, you know, you know, a lot of times putting in 20 hours a day. And you realized early on that you wanted to go th- th- this route that you're on now. Yeah, it's just a different, it's a completely different lifestyle. You're still, you know, you're still coaching football, but you're dealing with different kids, too. Like, I, I really enjoy the type of people that I interact with here and the kids that, you know, 99% of our kids are not looking to go to the NFL. They're looking to go to med school or law school or get a job at a, you know, working in finance. And so they're really grinding the academic uh, part of it and, you you almost feel like here you're 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 every everywhere when you're when you're coaching football you feel like you're coaching life but here I really feel like you're coaching life at Georgia Tech it's it's really about wins and losses in, in football and that's it yeah no question about it coach I'm interested too say you know give me the elevator pitch for Trinity say I'm a star QB recruit how do you go about obviously success you've had what are the you go into someone's house what do you tell them about Trinity College. Well, I think the, the quick, you know, 10-second answer on that is you get a great balance here of being at a place where there's a tremendous football tradition. So there, you're going to play at a place where you're going to win and people are going to care about football. You're going to get an unbelievable education where you're going to be in small classroom settings with the faculty that care about their students and interact with their students. Um and it's a fun place to go to school, too. I mean, like, I went here. If you can't have a, a fun at the place, then there's something wrong with you. Yes, no question about it. Do you do you single out? What's What type of kids are you looking for? You look, Obviously, you have kids from across the country, but uh, what? How, how do you, I guess, how do you hear about kids and recruits? Cause but, yeah, it's a combination of talking to high school coaches and um, some recruiting services that you can trust. Many recruiting services are kind of a waste of time, but... You know, there are certain recruiting services out there where you know that they are that they understand Trinity and NESCAC and, and that the, the kids they send your way are kids that are looking for this kind of academic experience. Um, it, it's, it's not, it, that's the hardest part probably of coaching college football is the recruiting process. It just never ends. It's 365 days a year. And fortunately, 
I think the staff that we have here, particularly the guys that have stayed for so many years, they really understand uh, what we are at Trinity, and I think we do a good job of targeting a Trinity kid. Is there recruiting live periods and dead periods like D1, or is it more just it's way, it's way more open at the D3 level. The, the unique thing in the NESCAC is that the coaches can't go on the road. Really? So, yeah. So j- just like we talk to our recruits all the time about this is a great place to play football and get an education and have a life outside of football, like the D1 football players don't have much of a life. It's just football all the time. And it never ends between spring ball and off-season workouts and summer commitments. It just never ends. And at this level, you get to be a little bit, you know, in, in season, I don't care where you go. The football is going to take up a lot of time. But in the spring semester, our kids get to have a little bit more of a life than, a, than you would at the Division One level. Uh, we've had 115 kids study abroad in my 11 years. Wow. Oh, wow. But I'm, I'm interested as well. You can't go on the road to recruit. Is that, is that what you said? That's right. So for us as coaches, you know, and, and myself, I, my wife and I have three kids, and Lou and his wife have two kids, and Mark's got two kids, and Denver's got two kids. It's a great lifestyle because you get to coach football at a place that cares about football. You're dealing with good kids, and then because we can't go on the road, there are very few nights where you don't, you know, get to be home and yes. you know tucking your kids into bed. Yeah, no, no question about it. Okay, so I'm interested, Coach. It's, take... a, it's a lot of phone calls, and we work a lot of camps. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Got to be a lot. Yeah, a lot of phone calls. I, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And finding the finding the right kids. Just describe. Pretend we're in mid October right now. It's Monday. Um, we got a big game coming up on Saturday. Just take us through your typical game week. Uh, what's it like? What what time is practice? When do the kids go to class? And yeah. and so on. So, Sunday's the you know mandatory day off for our players is we give them Sunday off. They get that day um, to to recoup from the Saturday to catch up on some schoolwork. Um, the freshmen have study hall Sunday night, uh, but every, other than that, there's no football responsibility. As a staff, Sunday's a long day for us though. We get in probably around nine nine thirty in the morning and don't leave till close to midnight. Um, and then Monday. We ask our players to get up in the morning since we've uh, given them Sunday off. So we meet at 7 a.m. with the players. Uh, we have a team meeting, do our weekly awards, and then we go through the game film that's been graded by the coaches uh, and you know, so that we can correct mistakes that were made. Uh, and then we work. Our, our players will get a lift in on Monday in season uh, based on their class schedule, uh, random times throughout the day. And we're, doing, we're, we're game planning as a staff from 8.30 in the morning until about 4 when we'll get back together with our players, give them a little bit of a first down game plan, go out on the field for about an hour and do some conditioning and some punt and kickoff. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are kind of the similar type of days for our guys. We'll have position meetings at some point during the day based on their class schedule. And then we'll practice from 4.15 to 6.30. And then they'll... uh, you know, shower up and go to dinner, and if the fre- if they're a freshman, they go to study hall. If they're an upperclassman, they're on their own. And then uh, Friday's a, a quick, quick you know, hour practice uh, team meeting, and then if it's an overnight, we're on the bus. If it's not, you know, tell the guys to get off their feet, play some video games, just relax, whatever they, whatever they do to get themselves ready on a Friday night to play on Saturday. And then you got the game on Saturday, usually a Trinity win, and then you're right back on it on Sunday. 
That's right. Once you get in the season, it's like it just—you're almost like a zombie at that point. It's just you just rather you know just every day just goes into the next day. And this year, I was reading too, the NESCAC is going to add a ninth uh, conference game during the season. I'd like to get your thoughts on that. We've been really. This is the way the schedule should be. Uh, You know, uh, the coaches of the league are fine with the fact that we don't play compete in the playoffs. It's just like the Ivies, you know, Harvard. Penn, Princeton, Yale, they don't go to the Division One AA playoffs. Philosophically, we don't have a problem with that. But, you know, getting that ninth game is big for our players, having the opportunity to play everybody in the league and, and really be able to say at the end that it was a fair, uh, you know, competition that, that, that decided a champion. Yeah, no question about it. So you are in favor. This, is there part of you, though, who wishes you could kind of see how well you do nationally with the playoff? Yeah, as a competitor, obviously you'd like to you'd like to see how you would fare against those teams, and I do think that the the top teams in the NESCAC, you know, the the, the team that is the better team, or even the, the second team each year, would do very very well, at least in the New England region. You know, when you start to get out and you're talking about the Mount Unions and the Wisconsin Whitewaters of the world, it's a little bit apples and oranges from from the from the other D three schools. I mean, you can look at the Division Three uh, playoffs, and the same two teams have basically been in the finals every year, you know? Yes, yeah, no question about it. So that that's interesting. First time since 1912, NESCAC will play nine conference uh, games in the regular season. Yeah, we're pretty fired up about it, and it's actually changing. For, for my first 11 years as a head coach, I basically copied and pasted our preseason schedule. And this year, you combine the adding the ninth game at the beginning of the of the season, and then you, and then the new NCAA laws, rules about uh, no double sessions. It's really making us rethink the way we're practicing in the preseason and how we're uh, going to prepare our team because we have less time and we don't have that that scrimmage, which is almost like your opportunity to to to, to have a, a a game-like experience where if you make a mistake, it doesn't matter. You know, our first opportunity to 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 do that this year will actually be a real game. Yeah, so the the normal I'm just I got this right. Your the extra game will be the week one was usually a scrimmage the years exactly, before. Exactly. Yeah, week one we're, we're we usually have a scrimmage that week one September sixteenth. This year it's going to be a real game, and uh, we get Colby here at home, and you know people are, we've getting a lot of questions about the 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 shorter preparation that we're going to have to play, but. It, 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 the way I'm looking at it, we're all in the same boat. I mean, it's not like Colby's got any extra time to get ready. We're, we're both, we both have a smaller preseason than we've had in the past, and we're going to have to make sure our players take every day and every practice and don't take anything for granted because we can't, we can't afford to waste a day. Let's look now to this year's team. Captains Liam Keneally, uh, Sonny Pozo, and Chris Simmons uh, are the t- team leaders. Just talk about each of those three players as you get ready for this year's team. No, just great kids, and it is. You know, some years we always have our players vote for captains, and some years you like kind of as coaches, like, geez, I wonder who they're going to vote for. And this year, it's <laughs> one of those things. I, I don't even know if you needed to have a vote. It was almost like those three guys almost got every vote. You know, Chris Simmons is a four-year starter, one of the more dominant players to play in our league since uh, since I've been here. Uh, he was the rookie of the year in the league as an offensive lineman. That's that's impressive. Um, we actually, we call him the mistake here because we don't know how he didn't get scholarship offers. <laughs> you know, he's he's wow. had some NFL teams in here looking at him this spring. Uh, he's a very very talented player, great great worker. 
little bit. He's a little quiet. He, he more leads by example. Um, and then Sonny's, you know, as a coach in this game, when you have a quarterback that everyone on the team loves, it makes your job so much easier. You know, there are there are years where your your quarterback's a good player and he's your better, your he's your best option at the starting quarterback, but not everybody really loves the kid. Um, this year we're going into it. Sonny's a, a four-year starter. Um, you know, was first team all league last year, a really, really good football player, but even a better person. And he spent, he's one of those kids. He's always in the film room with coach Radican. Um, you know, he's got a three, four GPA. He's doing, he's always the first one to volunteer for community service. Um, you know, the other day, my, my nine-year-old son's playing quarterback on his Pop Warner team, and Sonny spent a you know, half hour with him just tutoring him. He's just a great kid. So we're very excited to have him um, you know, be our quarterback and be one of our captains. And then Liam Keneally, is, uh, he's one of those kids you knew when he was a freshman, you knew he was going to be a captain because he, right, right away he, he acted like a leader and spoke like a leader even as a young player. Um, and he's one of those kind of throwback football players where he doesn't look like much as a linebacker. You know, he, he, he usually comes into camp weighing about 215 and then is 205 by the end of the year. But he just knows how to play the game. He makes a lot of big plays. So we're excited about those guys as captains. You got obviously coach. Now, when you talk about your coaching philosophy, do you feel like you're more of a defensive-focused coach uh, than let the offense play out, or do you focus on offense? No, I'm definitely a defensive guy. That yep. was my, my background. Um, uh, I coached on the offensive side of the ball at Coast Guard and at Albany, and that gave me an appreciation for uh, what it takes to, to game plan on offense and to be on that side of the ball. But I, I love being a defensive guy, and uh, and I'm, you know I coach our safeties, and I, I, sick, I call our defense on Saturdays. Um, and I'm really lucky because Mark Melnitsky, our offensive coordinator, is a very, very good football coach. And so, you know, I basically just consider Mark the, 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 the head coach of the offense. And he, I very rarely get involved in what we're doing offensively. Um, and then Denver Williams does a really good job coaching our receivers. And Jeff Radigan's an outstanding coach, our quarterback coach. So I, I, I have a, a lot of confidence. I mean, you look at last year, I think we were – we scored the fifth most points of any of any offense in the history of the league, uh, and I had nothing to do with that. I, you know, I, those guys, those guys did a great job, and I'm sure they will again this year. And your defense is ranked five nationally in D3, so obviously you had both sides of the ball pretty well executed. Yeah, traditionally we've been very, very strong on defense here. That's kind of, I guess, what we say we hang our hat on, and I think we've been number one in the country, you know, four or five times in the last twelve years. Um, so we've been, I, I think we've, we've had some very, very good players, a lot of team speed on defense. And I think, I think we have a pretty good system and our players buy into it. Now you're a good person to ask. You coach a secondary. I know you lost a lot of talent from last year's team, the defensive backfield. Oh, yeah. uh, how, how do you think, how are you going to adjust this year going forward? Yeah, I, I've, I've been joking a lot this, this off season that I actually am going to have to do some work this year because last year I, <laughs> last year I didn't have to go to practice. I could have just told Spencer Donahue and Paul McCarthy and Yosa and Archie and, and PJ Dorsey, this is what I want you guys to do today. And I could have just stayed in my office. <laughs> um, those guys were great players, um, you know, and, and they, and they love to work. They, they would practice as hard if I was standing there or not standing there. 
Um, so we're really going to miss those guys. And we've got the same issue on the offense side of the ball. You know, Darian Myers and Nick Gaynor um, graduating. Our top four receivers from last year are gone, and our top five defensive backs from last year are gone. So that's clearly, when you look at this year's team, that's where our preseason focus needs to be, is we've got to figure out who's going to step up for us on the perimeter on both sides of the ball. Yeah, no question about it. Do you have any leading candidates who you think is going to emerge? Well, we're lucky on defense in that we have, like, Johnny Medina is a senior, and Samir Madden's a junior, and Dom Seegers is a senior, and they're talented players. They've just been, you know, sitting behind some really good guys. So, you know, they're coming into the preseason with a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience under their belt. Um, but we're definitely going to have to have some younger guys step up. Uh, and on the defensive side, we've got some some sophomores that will look to, you know, to compete there too. On the offensive side of the ball, uh, we've got a couple of juniors that have been kind of, you know, chomping at the bit to have their opportunity. And then, you know, every year in recruiting, you feel like you hit a home run at some positions. And I think receivers probably that for us this year. I think we hit a home run with some uh, some of our incoming freshman receivers. So that'll be interesting to see how that develops. Any names to uh, fans could look out for the freshmen coming in? The high- I hate to say names with freshmen. Never, <laughs> just, in my experience, you just never know. Like there's always a kid that you didn't expect and then there's a kid that you thought was going to be awesome that just doesn't get it as a freshman. Yeah, no question about it. Let's move now to the third team, special teams. Um, Eric Saxey, great kicker. Uh, what else can we look forward to in special teams? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Saxey being back, you know, hopefully he can, you know, I don't know if he can be perfect. Last year he was perfect. He was 50 of 50. So I don't know if he can duplicate that, but we certainly hope he can. Um, Ian McDonald punted for us last year. And he kind of took one for the team because he's a great athlete and we didn't let him compete uh, at a position because he was our punter. Uh, this year, you know, we're not going to do that to him. We're going to let him compete to play. And if he ends up being the punter, then he'll be a position player who's punting. Uh, but Kimball Winans, uh, as a sophomore that backed up Saxy last year, has been working on punting as well. Uh, and then, you know, we, losing Darian Myers, he he was a dynamic player. I mean, we won some games because of returning kicks for touchdowns in the last couple of years. But Johnny Spears, I think, will step right into that role, and I wouldn't be surprised if we don't miss a beat there. Coach, talk about this year's schedule. Who do you think is going to be? Obviously, you have the rivals, Wesley, and who's going to be a tough opponent looking ahead this year? I think uh, Jay Savetti's doing a great job at Tufts, and, uh, you know, they lost one game last year, and that was to us here at home, uh, I would, and they bring a lot of players back, so I would expect them to be very good. Uh, I think Amherst, people think Amherst was down last year. I don't think Amherst was down. They just had some injuries at quarterback, and to me that reminded me of a couple of years ago when we had some injuries at quarterback and we went 5-3, and three, which was the worst season we've had. We were a great football team that year. We just struggled at quarterback, and when you struggle at quarterback – it's hard. You know, I think Amherst was just as good last year as they've been in the past. They just struggled at quarterback. And, you know, with their kid coming back and being healthy, I expect them to be very good. Uh, and Middlebury's, you know, they, you know, Bob, Bob Ritter up there has done a great job, especially on the offensive side of the ball. They're always one of the tougher teams to defend. So and we have to. this is the year where we have to play Middlebury and Amherst uh, all on the road and uh, play toughs on the road. It's a, you know, those are three good teams that we've got to play on the road. Is there a game personally for you that you get really jacked up for during this season? Is there a team that you, you get fired up about playing? Well, I haven't played at Trinity. 
when I was playing, it was always the Williams game. You know, um, and, and Williams has been down the last couple of years, so our current players don't really, they don't get it. They don't understand the tradition there. But for, for the guys that played in the 80s and 90s uh, and even the early 2000s, like that was the game, the Trinity Williams game, and it was always early in the season. So that one's uh, always exciting for me. And then the Wesleyan game, you know, it's the last game of the year. And it's, you know, it's schools that are fairly close by and they have a, a long, long traditional rivalry. And, and you add that to the fact that your, your seniors are playing their last game, it, it, that's always a, a special day. Yes, no question about it. What do you tell the alums who are thinking about coming out this year to support you guys in the football school field? Uh, what can they expect to see, you know, on and off the field going to a football game at Trinity? Well, I think, uh, you know, our alums, and that's something that we sell in the recruiting process as well, I think one of the unique things about Trinity is our alums are very, very actively involved in the program. Um, not just coming to games, but we run a bunch of events throughout the year that are career service-based. Um, and we have a mentoring program where our alums volunteer to uh, almost take a little brother in the program and help them with career stuff. So our alums are really active and, and are re- very much a part of the program. And you'll see some of them in the locker room before games. And um, I think they can expect uh, an exciting brand of football this year. I think offensively we're going to be very interesting. We're going to we're going to go fast, you know, with our tempo. Um, having Sonny uh, running the offense and his knowledge of what we're doing is going to allow us to do some some pretty cool things on offense. Um, having Max Chaperis back at tailback, um, you know, having the five offensive linemen that started at the end of the year all back gives us a, a, a little bit of an edge offensively with with being creative and what we can do. And then defensively, we're gonna we'll be a little bit inexperienced in the secondary, but we're gonna run. We're gonna run to the ball and we're gonna be fast and fun to watch. I think. Coach, last question. Tell us about you know off the field. How do you like your life with your family in Newington? What do you like to do uh, besides football? Uh, you know, off the field once the season ends? Well, one of the cool things about coaching in NESCAC, just like our players can have a life outside of football, we get to have a little bit of a life outside of football. So, like, I coached my son's little league team last spring, and I, I coached my daughter's softball team. And um, so, you know, it, we're, we're at that, my family, we're at that part where we have a 15-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a 9-year-old. Um I quite honestly don't know how my wife does it in season because it's like just constant taxi driver all over the place. (laughs) And my wife works, so she has a job. Luckily, she works from home, but she's juggling things like crazy. Um, So we have kind of the, you know, for for anybody that knows and has kids at that age, you just know you're you're just, it's nonstop. It never ends. Um, But we live in a pretty cool neighborhood where there's a lot of families uh, with with kids that age, so we've got you know we're always a lot a lot of helping out. There's a lot of parents in our neighborhood helping each other out, helping doing drives, looking after kids, things like that. So um, we're in a good situation. Well, Coach, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. A lot of fun, Trinity College. I'm sure we'll have another great year. By the way, your your career record seventy five and thirteen. So you like to approve on that this year and keep it going. But coach, thanks so much for joining us here, Bantam Spotlight Podcast. Really appreciate the time. Hey, Mike, thanks for having me on. I appreciate you doing it. Okay, take care. All right, you too. Bye bye. Well, thanks so much for listening to the inaugural Bantam Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri, and thanks once again to head coach of football Jeff Devaney, now in his twelfth season 
you have to imagine there'll be another great season coming up uh, for the Trinity College Bantams football team. Once again, thanks so much for listening. This is Mike Galtieri signing off.